0: It's going awesome!
1: You are high-pitched and giggly today, so that can only mean one thing.
0: Kathy's
2: here. Hey, Kathy. Hi, Joey. Hi, Kelly. Yes,
1: (laughs) we're back. She gets a way more fun hello than I do. I just got to say, I'm going to throw that one out there.
0: Yeah, well, we we were being silly
1: before we started. You really were. And you
0: weren't playing. You were laughing, but you weren't playing. So those who play get better hellos.
1: I guess so. All right. Wow. We'll just do the play episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the play episode, what is this episode about?
0: This is so not the play episode. <laughs> so,
1: if Kathy's here, it's got to be something fun.
0: Well. We're doing a mythology episode again.
1: Yeah, and it's been a yeah. while since we've done one. Thanks, yeah. coronavirus.
0: That's fun unto itself. But yeah. this particular mythology is not super fun, but it is super useful. Okay. You want to tell them, Kathy?
2: Yeah, we're going to um, basically talk about the descent of Inanna. Anana um, being the queen of heaven and the oldest version of this myth being Sumerian. There's a later version that's Akkadian. Um, It's shorter and doesn't have as much detail. So the Sumerian version is the, they figure, the older version. It has been the subject of many rituals um, for people going through transformational processes over the years. It's a very robust myth for not only learning about history and different belief systems, but also about your own role in your life.
1: Okay. That doesn't sound silly at all. No.
0: (laughs) As I said, not the play episode. No,
1: no play episode. All right. So do we want to start with maybe a Reader's Digest version of this very robust myth to at least get people understanding of what we're talking about when we say the descent of Inanna? So we've just identified who she is and we know where the myth is coming from. But what is the story?
2: Inanna In this version is the Queen of Heaven, and her supposedly older, as she is described sister, Ereshkigal, is the Queen of the Dead, or the Queen of the Underworld. And Ereshkigal's husband has passed. So her sister Inanna decides to go down into the realm of the dead for the funeral rites of her sister's husband. But she is the Queen of Heaven. So she comes with all her finery and all her everything. And um, Ereshkigal, who is both grieving and angry and not exactly a fan of her sister, is, you know, who do you think you are kind of noise, basically says, you cannot pass. The gates into the realm of the dead are locked to you. There are seven of them. And at each of the seven, the Queen of Heaven has to give something up until she comes before Ereshkigal in the realm of the dead, basically with nothing. But she still has at least in the Sumerian version of the myth, a lot of attitude, because (laughs) after all, she is the queen of heaven, even though she's naked. Yes. Um, Ereshkigal is kind of like, enough, and basically turns her into a corpse and hangs her up in a meat (laughs) hook. So it's kind of like, okay, we're done with you.
0: As I said, not the fun version. No.
2: Not the fun version. That's right. And we'll go into this in a little bit more detail, but the queen of heaven had a plan, and she said, if I'm not back in three days, somebody, you know, come looking for me. There were four major gods at the time, and her assistant, essentially, uh, went to them and said, help, you know, is stuck down in the underworld. And three of them said, that was her choice. No big deal. And the fourth one said, nah, this is, we need the queen of heaven back. I like the idea. He specifically took the dirt from underneath his fingernails. Now, how's that for a creative (laughs) act? He took the dirt from underneath his fingernails and made two constructs, kind of like golems, but, you know, they had a different name. Um, to go down into the underworld and to get Inanna out. So they do this, and they work with Ereshkigal, and she. they help her. And again, we can go into all of this, but they manage to get Inanna out. But Ereshkigal says, somebody's got to take her place. I'm not just letting her out of here. Somebody's got to come back in. In the Sumerian version of the myth, she goes and looks, and first they're going to take her handmaiden. Well, no, her handmaiden is in mourning and tried to help her out. And then they're going to take a couple other of the people of her court. You know these people were in mourning and were sad to see her go. And then there was her husband. And he was all tricked out in all his great jewels and everything else and sitting on her throne going, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. And um, she said, you, you're going down into the underworld. You don't miss me at all. You didn't care. And so um, he got sent down into the underworld. And then there's, a, there's some additional pieces that go with it and um it's part of the his sister feels bad for him so she offers to take his place and then what you have is so he goes six months and the sister goes six months and now you have a a myth that is sort of the foundation for the same uh persephone and hades type of thing to try and explain the two seasons you know the rainy season and dry season that exist in that that part of the world so there's there's a whole bunch of many many layers to this in a ritual context, we don't do all of that. There is a certain part of it that we focus on. But that's kind of like the the quick version of the story.
0: Now, before we go any further into the conversation about the myth, the, the ritual version, I want to say this is not a ritual that you fuck about with. This is a burn your ass ritual. So this is not for beginners. If you are a beginner, do not Think that you can do this ritual and and come out unscathed and if you are intermediate the same warning because the advanced people already know they're gonna get their butts burned and that's what they're going in for so I just want to say that out loud
1: okay so what is the ritual that we're talking about here I know rituals have a little mystery to them, but we got to give a little indication of what we're talking about with this, right?
0: So traditionally, and I've seen many of these rituals done over the decades that we've been wandering through pagan worlds, but traditionally they, they are the seven gates that you have to go through and the stripping away of self and then the coming into the underworld and having to claim yourself anew. Okay. that's, that's sort of the broad strokes Mm -hmm. when you are stripping away all that you are, that is pretty intense. Yeah. Again, not something to be trifled with because you're literally stripping away your identity. And while everybody's like, Ooh, that's exactly what we're supposed to do to get to the higher realms is to strip away the ego and blah, blah, blah. And isn't that bright and shiny? And the answer is no, it's not bright and shiny. It's dark and shadowy and, and and bloody. And it's, it's a lot. As I said, we've seen this done in a lot of different contexts in pagan circles. Okay. And the people who are more advanced get a lot out of it. The people who are beginners get fricasseed.
1: Kathy, there was a couple of points in when you were talking about that where you sort of said, we'll go into that a little more detail later. Those tell me that those were kind of important stations in that particular story that lead us to a different place. Why don't you grab one of those and maybe go into that a little bit now
2: there's an overarching theme here about ego okay the gates strip because she went down with all her her trappings of her identity her scepter her shield her jewels her raiment you know she she carried all that with her and at each of the gates it was stripped away but she ended up in front of a Rushkigal, still Even naked, even stripped of everything, I am still the queen of heaven kind of thing. In one of the Sumerian versions, it basically says that she tried to take Ereshkigal's throne. So she was still not recognizing that she was in someone else's space. She was was in this shadow place. She's the queen of heaven, and this is the queen of the dead. OK, you can't have light without dark. You can't have dark without light. The two exist in balance. And so when light comes in and tries to say dark doesn't matter, I'm still going to be ruler here as well. Things are not going to go well for you And it didn't. So one of the levels here is and then what I said going into greater detail is, is Inanna really tried to to sort of dominate this, even though she was supposedly going to her sisters for funeral rites because Ereshkigal had lost her husband. But she came in with total attitude. And it's
0: like, no, okay, you're dead,
2: and we're going to hang you up on
0: the wall. Also known as do not mess with the queen of the dead when she's grieving.
2: (laughs) I'd say don't mess with her, general, (laughs) particularly when she's grieving. (laughs) Or really,
0: yeah, in general,
2: yeah. And another piece that comes with that is that three out of the four of the people that her handmaiden went to, three out of the four other deities said, no, she made her own choice, she's got to live with it. You know, you don't come back from the realm of the dead. Her ego got her into this. It's not going to happen. Only one, Enki, came back and said, no, if we've got all shadow and no light, right, we're out of balance. Enki recognized that the queen of heaven needed to be back in her place. The world needed to be in balance. So when he made the entities out of the dirt underneath his fingernails and sent them down, they were sent down to appease Ereshkigal. What do you need? Where are you in pain? How can we help you? Not just give us back Inanna, because Mm -hmm. that would be the same way Inanna came down with, we have rights here. Right. You know, we want you to give us back our queen. So again, the message is defer to the power of the shadow when in the shadow's place. Have respect. Have respect. Exactly. And they did. And because she was grieving and because she was in pain, they helped her and she offered them, you know, what do you want? And they asked for the body of Inanna because it was the body. The myth says that they brought her um, the water of life as well as food to help restore her because it wasn't just, okay, we're going to unhook her and she's going to walk back up. No, there had to be an intervention. There had to be, there's a death here. Okay, like in a lot of shamanic transformations, there is a death of ego here and there needs to be something that brings a rebirth or a reactivation, brings life back to this person or to the person going through the process, which is what these entities did, brought life back. So she was rebirthed in a way, Inanna. And in the rest of the story, she is not high and mighty. She is still the queen of heaven, but you get a sense in the way the story reads is that she is now inhabiting her role from a place of respect and understanding instead of a place of ego. Mm -hmm. So that when, you know, when the, when the demons come back up out of the world of the dead, you know, saying somebody has got to come back down and take your place, she wasn't letting them take the people who obviously cared about her, who were in sackcloths, who were mourning her, who who she understood cared about her and she cared about them. It was Dumuzi, the faithless husband, (laughs) who was just as happy to be king now that she wasn't there anymore. That was kind of like, no, uh -uh. you know, it's uh, you did nothing to help me. You did nothing to, you know, show that you even cared that I was gone or that you even noticed. So there's also the when you come back from the land of the dead, when you come back from that experience,
0: who is with you? Well, People and, will fall away. And you notice she didn't go looking for her scepter or her shield or for, you know, anything. She, she was perfectly happy to come up without them because they were the trappings of ego. And so there's, there's that other piece in there, which is that when you come back up out of the underworld, everything is looks different right? Your perspective, your, yeah, the things that you value change. You know, this is the quintessential mythology of shamanic death, which of course is why we like talking about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There was something interesting when you talk about her coming back and Kelly, you sort of touched on it there when you said she didn't go after her trappings of ego. Mm -hmm. Kathy, you also said that she was still the queen of heaven, So she still existed in her power and she knew who she was, but it was just this release of the ego that sort of changed her perspective on believing that she ruled over everything. So it's sort of like a little humility in there, but not.
2: Ego is a false flag, okay? Ego is not power. Ego is, you know, the uh, the Wizard of Oz. You know, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. I am the great and all-powerful Oz. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's what ego is. When Inanna comes back from the world of the dead, she comes back truly as a queen in the best sense. Right. A queen who is the steward of her people, who is the caretaker of her lands, who is the person who wields power but in service to those she is responsible for Mm -hmm. rather than who's wielding power from a standpoint of I, I, I am the queen of heaven. All shall bow before me. I shall do as I darn well please, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Well, and so, you know, the other side of it is we we have this thought that humility is not owning what's true. Mm -hmm. That's just patently untrue. It's not arrogance if it's true. And false humility is just as bad as no humility. In fact, I would argue that it's worse because it it is a manipulation at the same time. So when she came out of the underworld, she knew she was queen of the heavens. She knew that. Right. That's what's true. That's not something that she has to have humility about. She just is. And so that's that's part of what this is, is that especially when we talk to about people from a challenged childhood, right? We are often taught, don't own who you are, because that might infringe on the person who wanted to control you, right? And so, you know, we have this thing where it's like, oh, well, you can't stand up and be yourself. You have to have humility. It's like, no, it's only arrogance if it's not true. It's only a lack of humility if it's not true, Right. And so there's a, a way in which this is also about really claiming your power. Right. Because just because she got hung on a meat hook in the underworld doesn't mean she's no longer the queen of heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. You could say that she was traumatized by that. And in fact, she likely was traumatized by that. Um, as I said, this is not a, a, a lightened fluffy ritual but she came out still knowing who she was and having learned from the experience and that's the other part of a shamanic death experience is that while there may be some sense of going through the ringer in the process if you learn from the ringer then the trauma subsides right Mm -hmm. there's you know any trauma there might have been along the way just it becomes It's an integration process. When you can say, ah, this was the reason. Ah, this is what I learned from it. Ah, this is what I got from it. I understand. Now there's nothing in you that's fighting saying this shouldn't have happened, which is where trauma comes from, is the fighting against it. So if there's nothing fighting against it, then you can integrate the experience and you can move past the trauma. And so she's coming out the other side, having integrated her experience. Going, ah, I came in without a lack of with, with a lack of respect, and I came in, you know, thinking that I was the be all end all biatch of all tomorrows, you know, and that I could do what my sister does, which I clearly can't because she took me and hugged me on a meat hook, and I had nothing I could do about it. Right. So you know, ah, perhaps a little bit of of respect is what's called for here. Because humility is simply respect. It's simply saying, I, I have a respect for you and what you can do and who you are. And I don't presume to know or think that I can do better. That's that's really humility, is respect. Humility is a result of respect. And that's what she came out with.
1: Are there any other elements of that that we should sort of dig into here on Spirit Sherpa that you guys want to touch on.
2: I want to reemphasize something I said, which is when you emerge from the land of the dead in a shamanic experience from a ritual like this, where you have been stripped down to your essence and have owned at a very deep sense, your power and who you are. When you come back into the world, you will not connect to everyone the same way you did before, nor will they connect to you because there are people who let's say it was an egoic thing and they're like, Oh wow, I'm hanging out with the, the queen of heaven. Right. Yep. And now the queen and the queen of heaven was from an egoic standpoint, that was a that was a valid exchange, right? My ego's being boosted, and you're giving me ego juice and and you're getting ego pluses for you because you get to say you're hanging out with the queen of heaven, blah blah. When the Queen of Heaven comes back, this is no longer part in in this scenario in this in this experience. This is no longer part of who she is. And so that energetic exchange, that connection is all of a sudden invalidated and unhooked. And again, it's why this isn't for beginners and it isn't even for intermediaries, is because people will fall away. Okay. They will leave your life when you go through these kinds of experiences because they no longer connect with you in the same way. And they are either intimidated by the change. They don't want to be around it because they think maybe they have to do it and they're scared by it and they don't want to. Or it's no longer, they have no interest in connecting to this new person because this isn't who they are at all. Okay, And there are some people, like the handmaiden and the other people, who, who mourned her loss, who saw the real her before, or they wouldn't have mourned her, and who, when Inanna comes back, are people that she protects and cares for. Demons can't have them. They're not going back to the underworld in her place. When you go through these experiences and you come out the other side, things are going to change. People are going to change
0: around you because you have changed who you are. I want to address the other side of the coin, which is not everybody's going to leave you. Okay. There's always this fear as you walk into something like this, that, you know, you're not going to be able to handle it and not everybody's going to leave and everybody's going to leave you and you're going to be alone and you're going to be destroyed. And, you know, I I will say this, look, there are rituals I have been through in my life that destroyed me and I'm still standing. Okay. So, and I have, I have never seen personally anybody who did not eventually recover from having been for Cassid. So even if the worst thing that could possibly happen happens, um, you recover, you get past it.
2: There will be people who, who are still with you. Yes. And there will be people who come. There will be new people who will enter, who didn't like who you were before Yes. And didn't want to interact with who you were before. And now that they see how you are you are now, are going to be attracted by that. It's basically, it's a sorting of and an alignment of the new vibration with potentially new people, new interactions, new experiences.
0: Yeah, it's a law of attraction and action, basically. You know, when you change who you are and how you vibrate, you attract different people. And some of the people you vibrated with before don't fit anymore. And some new people will show up Um, because you are literally different. Now, if for some reason you get the opportunity to do an event like this and you are, you know, you're willing to go through it, um, or if you're going through a shamanic death of your own and, and you're trying to figure out how to deal one thing I will say is that if you have jewelry that you wear or something of that nature, that when you go through a shamanic death, it is appropriate to update it and to question that again. Uh, I remember one of the participants at the last in Descent of a ritual I was uh, around. I didn't participate, but I was. Just, it happened at an event I was at. Uh, he was going in. And he, I was uh, vending at a booth and I was making jewelry. I made transformational jewelry at the time. And um, he handed me his personal necklace and he said, I'm going to do the descent of Anana, And I would like you to update this to reflect the new person. And so that's what I did. And, and he said, you know, I'm going to send somebody to come and get this from you so that it can be ready for me, when I come back out, and um, I don't, I don't want to see it before it gets presented to me. And so, you know, we did that because that was his piece. That was what he wore all the time. And so, I had a part in participating in that, which was kind of cool for me because I didn't get to do the ritual itself, but I did get to participate.
2: I want to point out in the ritual also, you know, we've talked about Inanna and Ereshkigal and Enki and the, you know, the handmaidens and all the rest of that. But in the ritual itself, one of the most important roles is the gatekeepers. Absolutely. Okay. Because in any ritual, actually. Yes. (laughs) Yep. You know, the people go, oh, I don't get to be Ereshkigal or oh, I don't get to be Inanna. It's kind of like being a gatekeeper, being a good, effective gatekeeper is one of the most difficult things you can do. Absolutely, because the ananas of the world will show up at your gate and go, "I am the queen of Heaven, you will let me through." And you could just sit there and go, "No." <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> until they give up something that's meaningful, and they can't just toss you a scarf, right? Well here, take this. It's kind of like the, the pieces that Anana is stripped of, and what the gatekeepers are there to do is to take something of substance from her and to hold it. If that ritualist if the, if the person going through as a nana is not giving you something of substance as a gatekeeper, you don't pass the gate. this can be a very long ritual. There are seven gates, okay And if you got somebody who's really stuck in their ego and really doesn't want to give this up, and almost invariably everyone I've ever been that last gate is give up your clothes. Mm-hmm. So you are naked, truly naked going into there and they'll fight you. You know, I've been gatekeepers on these things. You can, They'll fight you. And you've got to stand and the there. Lawyer and go, you. <laughs> you have to hold it with integrity and clarity
0: because if you give in, the ritual collapses. And even if you feel bad for them, which often you will, you, you feel bad that, you know, you've sent them back eight times and they can't get through. And you're like, you can't let them through even if you feel bad for them because you're violating the ritual.
1: We started off talking about Silly voices and playing, and now we're talking about stripping away our souls and our clothes in a ritual.
0: I did say it wasn't the play
1: one. (laughs) Yeah, this has been one heck of a journey. What can people do? We said don't mess with this ritual. This is not for beginners. This is not for intermediaries. This is for people who are really ready to do this. But is there stuff that people in the spiritual stage of their journey... That they can take from this mythology to help them in their journey.
0: One of the reasons why we're doing this one right now, because we discussed doing a different episode today, is that we as Americans, and I know not everybody who listens to the the podcast is American, but as Americans, we are going through a descent of Inanna right now. Our entire country is going through a descent of Inanna. We are stripping away long-held belief structures. We are questioning who we are at our core. We are questioning who we have been at our core and whether or not our structures that have been put in place for generations are valid. This is a classic descent of Inanna experience. And so we can take the understanding of this experience, of this journey, and apply it to the experience that's happening in the world right now, and to be able to understand that there are seven gateways, and we're not very far in, right? Each time something else is asked of us, and each time the more we fight it, the longer we're stuck at the gate. And so while culturally we are going through this, you cannot live in the culture and not be impacted by the journey, which means that individually we are each going through our own version of the descent of Inanna in our lives right now. And so whether you're participating in in the larger scope journey or avoiding it, you are having your own journey. And then it's about how are you choosing to have your journey? How hard are you holding on to the identity that you've had? How willing are you to strip yourself bare and step into the underworld and greet your shadow self? And how much respect are you willing to give her
1: or him?
2: Which is also why we said don't do it by yourself right now because you're already in the middle of it collectively. You don't need to add on another layer.
1: Yeah, because right. then you wouldn't just strip yourself bare; you'd strip yourself raw. Uh,
0: you'd flay yourself. Yeah. Yes.
1: All right, interesting stuff. Is this stuff that you're going to want to talk about in the Facebook after-party group?
0: <laughs> uh, if people have questions, we are happy to answer them. Yeah. You know, I it, it's been very interesting, Joy. That um, we've been getting a lot of feedback about the apocalypse episode, mm-hmm. and I was really concerned you and i talked yeah. about it at the end that everybody was going to be like "Ah, she's a freak <laughs> <It> was <laughs> like she people are either going to get really pissed off at me or they're going to really love it and i wasn't sure which one it was going to be but it was what was true so we put it out and uh people really loved it is or or you know if they left they didn't say anything so <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think it's there's any question in anyone's mind that shit's going down right and Everybody is having experiences. I do need to say this out loud. I said it in the after party, but there aren't that many people in the after party. So I'm going to say it on the, on the recording as well. A week ago, week and a half ago, whatever it is in the after party, I can't remember. I cleared some stuff from my energy field. And I also cleared it from the energy field of anyone who was under my protection or who had wished that they were under my protection. And so if that applied to you as a listener to the podcast, because I I intentionally left it open for that, uh, you may have experienced some shift that happened from that. Because what I did was I pulled off a tarp covering that was dampening energy and dampening their um, intent and dampening clarity and dampening focus and basically just sort of bringing us down to the brain dead existence level. And I pulled that off and I cut a bunch of cords that were holding people down, holding them in place. And so you may have experienced this sudden, oh, I can think again. Oh, I can move again. Oh, I can breathe again. Oh, hey, look, something I've been trying to do for a while and haven't been getting anywhere with this suddenly moving again. That is because I did that clearing. And that is... As, as we go through this process and I find things that need to be cleared in that way, if you choose to put yourself in that space of, yes, I want to be impacted by this work when Kelly does it, then you will be because I'm opening it to that possibility. Um, I'm working on the, the morphic field and clearing the field, and that's clearing each person individually. I can't say what's coming next. All I can say is that Kathy and I are tuned in. We're having regular conversations about it. We are doing what we can to, to keep people moving forward and to mitigate the damage as we go. Because, you know, you don't go through this level of transition without there being some blowback. And so we can't keep it from happening, but we can help smooth the way. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> I guess spiritual curlers... Isn't curling the the sport where you sweep the the brooms in front of the yes
1: the, in front of the, the puck moving so that puck. it moves
2: along on the ice more smoothly yeah. so we're you're
0: engaging in spiritual curling
1: all right do either of you have anything you want to sort of wrap this up with other than don't screw around but hear the story
0: yeah I I do want to say have some fun because you know whenever you're going through a massive transformation it's hard and the thing that makes it bearable sometimes and the thing that makes sort of greases the wheels of movement is fun and in a lot of ways what we did at the beginning of this episode which you know it's very sad you didn't get it recorded but we were having quite the cut-up improv moment of fun is very much the energy that you can meet this with without having it be so overwhelming If it starts to get overwhelming, just be silly and have some fun. Don't take it so seriously because it's going to happen whether you take it seriously or not. So you might as well enjoy the
1: process. Anything from you, Kathy?
2: When she said that, I was reminded of another ritual I was in where um, there was a station that spoke to um, standing in your power like this is and um, owning yourself and being a whole person that doesn't exist at the whim of others, you know, that, that you know who you are. And um, the the ritualists in that ritual then had jet puff marshmallows, big ones, and threw them at you, and said, and pelted you with them, and said, and remember not to take yourself too seriously. <laughs> so it's it's one <laughs> thing they mostly
0: did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's one thing to stand in your power, and you need to, particularly in this, and to and to let the things that need to fall away fall away. You know, to not resist it, but to let it go. But there's another thing to just say, to remember that we are all beings of immense creativity, and we all have access to great joy, and that that is part of living too.
1: All right. Well, that is all that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Kathy Shiren, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone.
0: Bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. I'm not dead yet. only mostly dead. chapel over 13,000 now. I'll leave behind a little.
1: Spiritshipa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to CreativeCommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to k e K-E-L-L-E l l e at k e l l e s p a r t a dot com. That's Kelly at KellySparta.com to sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode. Please go to KellySparta.com. This episode of Spiritshipa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions.